The following message is brought to you by Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We exist to bring glory to God by knowing Christ and making Him known. If you would like to visit our church, we hold multiple services on Sunday mornings starting at 9 a.m. We are located between Motokare Wharf and Edai Town. Pickups are available 709-1000. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. We're going to read verses 21 down to the end of chapter, verse 31 together. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 31. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God hath set forth to be the propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. Good morning, and I would invite you to come to Romans chapter 3 with me. We'll be continuing our series in the book of Romans this morning. Romans chapter 3. I know that all of us interact with children at various levels, and so maybe that means that you're a mom or a dad and you have a child, or maybe you are a sibling and you have little brothers and sisters. One of the amazing things that you get to see with children is that they don't hide their sin very easily. We as adults hide our sin very well. We've learned it. We're experienced at it. But children are just open. We get to have kids here in the school, and sometimes Becky will come home and tell me some of the stories of the things that the children did that to the children was perfectly fine, but in society it's not so fine. (laughs) One of the things that she recently came home and told me about was in a classroom, one of the children spoke up to the other children and proclaimed the greatness of himself in the fact that he got to go to Miss Becky's house, told all of his classmates, I got to go to Miss Becky's house. It did not take 
very many seconds before another student spoke up, same classroom, and said, well, I got to eat at Miss Becky's house. And then someone else had to speak up and said, oh, yeah, well, my dad took me to Hagen. <laughs> and that started it. Here it came. Here was another one. My whole family went to Kyunga, and another one. My whole family went to Brisbane. And then the one that topped them all, my daddy took me to Singapore. <laughs> my goodness, we have no problem as kids just bragging, right? Boasting. Put it out there. I'm the best. I'm the greatest. But then you and I as adults, we figured out how to not be so open. So we will do what's called the humble brag. The humble brag. That's the one that sounds like this. It's the worst if you have food in your teeth. You know, like last night, I had dinner with the prime minister. And then when I got back in the car, I looked in the mirror and I saw I had food in my teeth. How embarrassing. Right? On the one side, you're saying I'm bad. But on the other side, I had dinner with the prime minister. Right? It's a humble brag. The humble brag. Boasting. Boasting is an outward sign of an inward sin. Pride. Boasting is an outward sign. It comes out on the outside of what's going on on the inside. And that inward sin is pride. You might as well just go ahead and do what I'm sure you've seen people do. Take your picture in front of a Maserati and then label the bottom of it. Make a meme out of it that says, me leader to mus. <laughs> Pride. Pride is on my inside and it comes out through boasting. We're going to see it in today's passage. There's no, no space for boasting. It, this comes across in spiritual matters as well. It's not just our physical life in spiritual matters as well. Let me post a picture of me having my devotions. The Pharisees did it. You might remember the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they said, it's time for us to give our tithes and offerings. And I don't know if you remember what they did. They said, hey, let's blow the trumpets. I'm bringing my offering. And I wonder if one guy brought his tithes and offerings and had three trumpets, and his, the next fella, he had five trumpets as he brought his tithes and offerings. It's boasting. It's an outward sign of an inward sin. Pride. The Pharisees went even so far as to pray thus... Thank you, God, that I'm not like that publican sinner over there. Lifting themselves up. And Paul's going to make this very clear in our passage today. You have no space for boasting, for your righteousness did not come from you. I'll say it again. You have no space for boasting because your righteousness did not come from you. So let's see it in today's passage. We're verses 27 to 31. So if you'll look at verse 27 with me, we'll read through verse 27 to 31, keeping in mind last week that we had one glorious sentence that came after 64 verses of condemnation. We are sinful people, and yet God sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, and more importantly, to declare God's own righteousness for Himself. And now we come into verse 27. This is the back end of the gospel. Here it is, verse 27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. No more boasting. And what got rid of it? By what law? Of works? No. But of the law of faith. Faith is what gets rid of boasting. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he God? Is he the God of the Jews only? Is He not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, He is God of the Gentiles also, seeing it is 
one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. I'll do my best to walk through this passage this morning. But before we get into it, I do want to remind you that the gospel will transform your life. The gospel will transform your life. Last week we saw that vital portion of the gospel in Christ going to the cross, bearing our sin, taking the wrath of God upon Himself. That's the vital portion of the gospel. Before we could see how glorious that was, there was the front end. 64 verses, Romans 1, 18-320. We are sinners condemned before God. That's the bad news. The good news is that Jesus took our sin and He makes us right with God. Declares us, the words justify, declared us as righteous as Christ. And then now we have the back end of the Gospel. And remember, the Gospel will transform your life. It will change you. So now there's no space for boasting. I can't stand and say, how look how great I am. God accepted me, but He did not accept me because of me. He accepted me because of Jesus. And He placed Jesus' righteousness on me. I'm justified. I'm declared righteous. But it's not because of me. You see, the Gospel will transform your life. And when you understand that I cannot boast in my own righteousness, now as I compare myself, oh how foolish this is, compare myself with other brothers and sisters, I cannot proclaim my own goodness. And the Gospel will transform your life. It changes the way we think. Boasting is excluded. Now what I'd like to do is I'd like to take just a few minutes before we get into the meat of this passage. Take a couple of minutes and show us why is it that boasting is excluded. I'll read verse 27 again so you see this. Where is boasting then? Where can you find it? What are we going to boast in? We will not boast. It's excluded. We will not boast because of the law or because of our works. We are seeing this boasting being excluded. Bragging is done away with because of faith. In other words, I did nothing to gain this righteousness. God just gave it to me. So what stops us from boasting? I'll give us three of them. This is not the whole sermon, but it's the overview so that we know from the Gospel we cannot boast. So, First off, number one, what stops us from boasting? A realization of our pride problem. A realization of our pride problem. If kids were bragging in the classroom, and one's bragging and the other one's bragging, we can tell them to stop it. But the moment that they understand that they're bragging because of sin, now that will stop them at a better level. But if you just tell them to stop, that doesn't really help them. They'll stop in front of you and they'll become better braggers later on. But when we realize that we boast because of an indwelt sin problem called pride, now all of a sudden our boasting will come to a stop. Let me walk through chapter 1, verse 18, to chapter 3 and verse 20. I'll point out the places in the 64 verses where we have been proud. So come with me back to chapter 1 and verse 18. It's about eight of these, and I'll just walk through them quickly. Chapter 1 and verse 18, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, and here it is, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. 
We're denying the truth and we're holding it in unrighteousness. It's as if we hold the truth. And here, it takes somebody who's really proud to say, yes, I've got the truth right here, but I don't care about it. I'm elevating my own thoughts and my own ways. Holding the truth in unrighteousness. And he calls this a proud heart. We continue on in verse number 21. This is chapter 1 and verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. They were not thankful. Could you imagine if you brought, just say, let's say you brought an orphan into your home. This child had nothing. You picked him up off the street. You feed that orphan. You take care of that orphan. That child has never done anything to gain your favor. Instead, you're just blessing their life. But then could you imagine if they never said thank you? Could you imagine if they just walked out the door every morning and went and did their own thing and they come back in the afternoon expecting that you're going to give them good things and that's how we treat God. Because God continues to pour out manifold blessings upon us and we just turn a blind eye instead of glorifying Him as God. We look to ourselves. Unthankful. He continues on in verse 22, professing themselves to be wise. If ever there's a proud moment, it's when the guy says, I'm wise. Pride. Boasting comes because of this sin of pride. And when I understand that the pride is in my heart, I'm going to stop boasting. I'm going to back off from bragging. He continues on in verse number 25. Verse 25, they changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator. Notice, they didn't stop worshipping. They kept worshipping, but worshipped something other than God. That's a moment of pride as I say, God, yeah, I know that you're the cre Creator, but I'm going to worship and set something that I want to worship. I'm going to establish, here's a different way to say it, I'm going to establish my own kingdom with my own gods. What a moment of pride. He keeps on going in verse number 28. Even as they did not retain God in their knowledge. It's going to push God right out of their mind. Establish my own ways. I'm going to be my own God if I need to be. Keep on worshiping. Keep on serving. But not serving God. Look down to chapter 2 and verse number 3. He says, Do you think, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doest the same that Thou shalt escape the judgment of God. Do you think, is it possible that perhaps you can judge somebody else while you're still doing the very same thing? Do you realize what that is? That's pride. That's saying, I'm going to apply the rules to you, but the rules don't apply to me. I'm lifting myself up. Further, he says it in verse 17. Behold, thou art called a Jew, and you rest in the law. In other words, you're going to slap a religious label on yourself and call yourself good to go. That's not how this works. None of us is above the law. All of us are sinful people. And then in chapter 3 and verse 18, the one that I find the most terrifying, chapter 3 and verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. If you don't fear God, you're being proud. And when we realize our pride problem, boasting goes away. There's another thing that will stop us from boasting and that is the fact that salvation's plan did not require your assistance. Salvation's plan did not require your assistance. This will stop us from boasting. 
If you look in verses 21, says so chapter 3, verses 21 to 26, he's going to give us uh, one long sentence that says, salvation's plan does not need your help. Let me show it to you. In this one verse, there are three times that he says salvation comes through faith. Look at verse number 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. Believe. Then look down to verse number 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. So here we have believing, verse 22. Faith, verse 25. Now verse 26. The end of verse 26. God is both just and justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So three times we've been told, all you have to do is believe. This is a big deal. You are being justified. Even the very word justified gets rid of the good things that I do. Justified. God declared me righteous. Declared. Not earned. There's a difference. If I am declared, that means He's the one declaring me. Look, at, look closely at verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Every bit of that verse takes me out of the equation. I'm declared righteous. God's the one that declares me righteous. That is very important. Jesus paid the price. God's the one that declared it. I'm not doing anything. It was Jesus who went to the cross. And so if I'm trying to work my way there, I'm sorry, friend, I'm wasting my time. Because all of the work was done by God through Jesus, and it was done long before I ever existed. So when I step into this, if I can call it salvation equation, I cannot insert myself. All I do is receive. I did not do anything to come up with the plan. I did not do anything to make the plan work. So how can I boast? There's no way for me to boast. First, we've seen boasting will be stopped because I realize my pride problem. Second, salvation's plan requires none of my assistance. And then thirdly, justification through faith and not my works will stop me from boasting. What stops me from boasting? Justification by faith and not through my works. All of this has happened because of what He has done, not what I have done. Let me outline that for you. What did God do? Verse 25, God set forth Jesus to be the payment for sin that turns away His wrath. God did that. What did Jesus do? Jesus went to the cross, and He took all of our sin on the cross. He shed His blood on the cross, and He died on the cross. What did we do? Believed. And when we believed, God steps right one more, takes one more step, and God goes, Righteous. That takes away any boasting from us. We have no ability to ever put our hand up and say, look how great I am before God. None at all. I don't get to lift myself up. I don't get to lift up my good works. Guys, it's not because I got baptized or because I took Holy Communion. It's not because of what family I was born into or what, what nationality I was born into. It's none of these things. It's not because I follow the law. Because if I try to follow the law, I'm going to come up short every time. For all have sinned, verse 23. 
All have sinned and all come short of the glory of God. I can't lift me up at all. There's no bragging. No boasting. It is all, verse 27's word, excluded. Goodbye. No opportunity for it at all. And he has been saying this from the very beginning. So just keep a finger here in verse 27. Flip back over to chapter 1 and verse 16 and you'll get to see him say it one more time there. By the way, that was his thesis. He started with it. Now he's ending with it again in verse 27. Here he is, 116. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God. Not your power. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. There aren't some people who are closer and some who are further away and some need less faith and others need more faith. No, there is no difference. Every single one of us needs to trust Jesus for His shed blood on the cross of Calvary. We bring nothing to Him. And it's the power of God that's revealed to us. His power is given to us in salvation for us doing one action alone, believing Him. I trust Jesus, and God counts me as righteous. And by the way, righteous is what I need. I need to be right with God. So if I'm not, I'm going to be forever separated from Him. And I don't want that. So come back to chapter 3 and verse 27. So where is boasting then? Verse 27, where is boasting then? It is excluded, gone, done away with. By what law of works? Was there a law, thou shalt have no other gods before me, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, shalt not commit adultery, you remember the laws. Is there one in there that says thou shalt not boast? No. It's not in there. There's not one in there that says thou shalt not brag, Thou shalt not take thy selfie in front of the Maserati. It's not there. And by the way, and somebody put a picture of a Maserati this week. I did not see it. I'm just picking that out of the air. So if that was you, I'm sorry. <laughs> but there's no law that says thou shalt not brag. It's not there. So it was not the law of works that excluded boasting. Instead, verse 27, the end of the verse, he tells us who was it that excluded it? The law of faith. So the moment I trust Jesus, I do away with all of the things that I did. I trusted Him only. I'm saved by God's grace alone through faith faith alone in Christ alone. I did not bring anything to this. So therefore, all boasting is done away with. Now verse 28, he's going to give a conclusion. See it in verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. That word conclude, you can just think of, he's had three whole chapters to get to this point. So we're sinful people, Jesus died on the cross, we get saved by faith only, so we conclude, we reckon, let me give you the finality, there's no other way around this, we conclude that you are saved by faith, without your works. Please don't think, brothers and sisters, please don't think, I get right with God by believing Jesus and coming to church. Or, and reading my Bible. Or, and inviting friends to come to church. Hey, all of those are good things to do. 
But those are not the things that gain us righteousness before God. There's only one thing that gains us righteousness, and that's Jesus. He went to the cross. He provides the righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21, I think I've quoted it every Sunday that we've been in the book of Romans. For God has made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. We got the best transaction ever. I give Him my sin, He gives me His righteousness. That's glorious. I get to go back to the Garden of Eden because of that. I get to go be right with God. This is a glorious thought. Now, I told you that this book of Romans is laid out many times like a court proceeding. And sometimes he sounds a bit like a lawyer as he speaks, and I can hear quietly in the background an objection. You know what I'm talking about? So there they are before the judge, and this guy, he gives his parts, and here's some presentations. I don't know what the proper words are. Somebody comes forward with their paperwork. And I can hear over on this side, somebody say, objection. And that means that there might be something going wrong here. Now, he didn't write in what the objection was, but he addresses the objection. So let me give you a faint idea of what maybe that objection was. I could hear the objection in this moment as he says, we conclude that salvation is by grace through faith and not of works. And I can hear just faintly off in the corner somebody, objection. But what about the Jews who had the law for 1,500 years? How did they get right with God? Can you hear that objection? But what about them? And he answers that in these next two verses. So let's read those next two verses. Verses 29 and 30. Verse 29. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. So he says, don't be fooled because some people will tell you that perhaps there was a different God for the Old Testament and a different God for the New Testament. He goes, no, 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 it's the same God. The same God for the Jews is the same God for the Gentiles. The same God for the, those that were under the law is the same God for those of us that are under grace. So how were they made righteous? The very same way that you and I are made righteous. By trusting God at His Word that He will do what He said He would do. We will unpack that in chapter 4, by the way. You can glance at it and see it in verse 1 and 2, verse 3 and 4. Verse 3 is the most clear as he says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham, very much an Old Testament man. He's, we'll address that in next week's sermon. But it's important for us to see it right now that the very same God of the Old Testament is this very same God of the New Testament. There is not a change when Jesus went to the cross. God did not change His mind and say, well, the law didn't work, so we'll try grace. That's not how He worked. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And here's God very clearly saying, you become righteous not because of what you do, because of what I do. You trust God. He has given the gospel for us to give to all nations. Some verses you might recognize. This one I think is the most clear. Mark 16, verse 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. See, we hold the gospel. It's not just to go to Gentiles. 
Not just to go to sinful people like the Gentiles. It's also to go to moral people who go to church every Sunday. All of us need the Gospel. It will transform our lives. And then remember also 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 where he makes this very clear. There is one God. He is holy. We sinful people would never be able to come to God if it was not for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one God and there's one mediator between God and man and that's the man Christ Jesus. So we have no space for boasting. God doesn't owe us anything. When I boast of my own righteousness, you know what I'm doing? I'm standing before God and saying, look how good I am. And there's no space for boasting. It's done away by the law of faith. I trust Jesus. That's what makes me righteous. God declaring me so. Let's come into verse number 31. And he's going to make a statement here in verse 31 uh, that's a little bit odd. So let me read verse 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. I wish that at this point in the sermon we could just wrap it up, and I wish that Paul had said something different because that would have made the end of chapter 3 a lot easier. (laughs) But sometimes the Scripture says something, and you go, wait a second, I need to stop and think about this. So let me read it. Maybe it will cause you to think, now that I've said, that's an odd way to finish the verse. Verse 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. If it was me writing this book, at this moment, I would have said, now that we know that we're saved by faith and not by works of the law, let's get rid of the law. That would have been me. I'm just being honest. Because that would make life a lot simpler. And yet he says, we establish the law. In other words, we make it firm. So let me spend the rest of our time together for us to see How is the law established? In other words, how are we shoring up the law? And I hope that if you're here this morning, you're listening and you're thinking, you're going, but wait, we don't follow the law anymore. And yet here he says we establish the law. Every word of God is true and it's pure. There's no mistakes in the word of God. And so we need to understand this. So let me give you a few things. I'll spend the rest of our time together. How is the law established instead of done away with. So first off, number one, how do we establish the law? Number one, the law is strengthened. Maybe you can write these down. I'll have them on the board. The law is strengthened by the penalty that was paid. The law is strengthened by the penalty that was paid. I'll give you an example of this. How many of you had rules at the school you went to? When you went to school, were there rules in the classroom? Yes. I got that right across the board. Good. Now let's say, for example, you wanted to be a good student. I know there's some students that don't want to be a good student, but let's say that you wanted to be a good one, all right? And let's say you go to a new school. You've never been to this school before. This is your first day at the new school, and you want to do right. And you come into the new school, and you sit down in the classroom, and the teacher has all of the rules written out on the blackboard. And you sit down and you copy them down with your pen. You write down every one of those rules and you pay so close attention to the rules and you write them all down. And then you go home that night and you memorize them. You're going to be a good student. You're not going to be a bad student like you were at the last school. (laughs) You're going to be a good student at this school, right? 
and you study all the rules, and one of the rules, let's say one of the rules is, thou shalt not, I don't, teachers don't write that, but you are not allowed to chew PK in class. Anybody have that rule in their school? If Spia does not, it needs to be there. And so could you imagine, here is this rule on the board, no chewing PK in the classroom. When you were writing down the rules on day one, you read that one and you realized at that moment that, oops, one plus stop. So you just reached in your pocket and you pulled out one little tiny piece of paper and you put the PK inside your piece of paper and you balled it up and put it in your pocket. You did not stick it on the bottom of the chair. That's a bad student. <laughs> you took your chewing gum, you wrapped it up, and you have it hidden away because you're going to throw it away because you're trying to be a good student, right? Let's say you come into school the next day, day number two, and you remembered the rule, no PK, you're coming to sit in the class, you're going to learn and you're going to listen, but while you're sitting there learning and listening, you look over and your classmate is chewing PK. Now that's a problem because you got rid of yours yesterday and you did not put it underneath and you're not going to take it back out and try again, right? <laughs> but here in the class, you don't have PK, but your classmate has PK. You say something to your classmate at the break. Hey, they had the rule on the blackboard, no chewing PK, remember? That student, your classmate tells you, but I got it from the teacher. <laughs> you scratch your head. You come back into the class. When you sit down in your, in your seat at, the, at your desk, you look up, and on the teacher's desk is one little bucket, and it has lollies for sale, and those are PKs. <laughs> and she's selling PKs on her desk. And you look at the blackboard. Thou shalt not chew PK in school, and there on the table is a PK for sale. Something tells me the rule does not line up with what's going on in lifestyle. Do you follow me? Now, that tells me that the penalty is not matching the law. Do you follow me? Now, let's come back. Let's say, now, terrible school if this happens. Let's say you've got the PK in your mouth. You come into the classroom. You're writing down the rules. You see, thou shalt not chew PK. It's written on the blackboard. You don't take it out. You're going to hide it over to the side. <laughs> and you've got it on the side, and you're hiding it there. You're not, not at all. You're hiding it, good, true. And you're going through the class day. Everything's fine. And then the teacher comes around. What's in your mouth? You thought, you hit it, good, true, and how will they ever find it? And the teacher says, you have a PK in your mouth. Let me see it. You, mm. <laughs> you show the PK. You weren't doing this one. You know what I'm talking about. You pull it out and twist it and twist it and turn it and pull it and, pull it and, pull it and twist it and put it back in. You weren't doing that. You were hiding it. Good, true. You were not disturbing anything. Some of you are catching on to that, right? <laughs> you were hiding it. And then the teacher says, but there's a rule on the blackboard. You're going to spit that one out in the rubbish and you're going to put your hand out. <laughs> right? You know what happened? The penalty matched the rule. And when the penalty is shown, the penalty shows how strong the law is. 
Now, let's come back to the law that we have. It comes from God. God gives the law, and we know that we're all sinners. And we know that we all broke that law. And if God just turned a blind eye to it and said, it's okay, we just let it go on, then the law means nothing. But, if God says, I'm going to take this law so seriously that the penalty for death will go on my own son Jesus then now the penalty will establish the law. The penalty shows us that the law is a real thing, and when we break God's law, it costs Jesus His own precious blood. You see, the law is established when we see that it's been strengthened by the penalty of the law. Second one. The law is strengthened by the penalty that was paid. The second one, the law has a purpose in bringing us to Christ. The law has a purpose in bringing us to Christ. So he's not going to say, oh, just get rid of the law. Oh, no, the law definitely has a purpose, and its purpose was to bring us to Jesus, to see how sinful we were. Look back at chapter 3 and verse 20. You'll see it. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. By the deeds of the law, there's not going to be any flesh that's justified in sight. In other words, nobody is going to be able to say, I'm going to take these ten. Now remember, there's 613. But nobody can even take the ten and live up perfectly to the ten. I don't know if you've ever tried, but you'll never do it. So by the deeds of the law, you don't get justified. Now I want you to hear those words carefully. By following the law, you do not get declared righteous. No, the law declares you sinful. Again, I'll illustrate. We have seven buses on the church bus fleet. How many people came on a bus this morning? If you came in on a bus, let me see your hands. Fantastic, great. Praise God for them. And by the way, praise God for the drivers too. Seven buses. Every single one of those buses has Track Pro on it. You guys familiar with Track Pro? Track Pro is on there, one, so that we as administration know where the buses are. That's one reason. In case someone steals one, now we know where to go and find it. It also has one of those disable buttons, one of the coolest things ever. So remotely, we as administration can turn the bus off. Somebody steals it, off. <laughs> Good luck now. Uh-huh. <laughs> but one thing that most people don't think about when you're on as a rider, there is one more thing that's going on on that Track Pro. The drivers know all about it, but the passengers don't really pay attention, and that is the speed limit. There's a speed limit that's set on the buses. Now, most of us don't realize this, but here in Papua New Guinea, we have a speed limit. Most people don't pay attention to it, but there is one. It's 60K, all right? 60 is the speed limit. Now, some places, if you're a sinner right now, you can bow your head and pray and ask the Lord to forgive you, all right? Some places, however, it is increased to 75. According to the Road Transport Authority, it is up to 75 in some places, but most of the city, it's 60 is the highest that you're supposed to go. Now, because we know that sometimes the foot goes faster than the brain, sometimes the driver has to be reminded to slow down. This is, our drivers are much better drivers than me. These guys spend way more hours in the the bus than I do. They spend way more hours driving. They know the city well. But sometimes when they're driving, maybe they're thinking about something else and they forgot about the speed limit. And so we have it set on the bus when it exceeds 85. If the bus goes past 85, immediately a 
SMS gets sent out. I get it, Brother Eric gets it, and the driver of the bus gets it. Three people get the SMS at the same time. Now, I want you to think with me. And it'll send out, SMS goes out, this bus was going this fast at this place. Very nice. We might say that is the law. The law says thou shalt not exceed 85. It really said 75, but we made it 85 to be nice to them. The law does not make them righteous. Right? It's not like all of a sudden they hit 86 and the thing SMS goes off and the driver gets the SMS and all of a sudden, miraculously, instead of 86, he's doing 59. It doesn't happen that way. <laughs> all of a sudden, it tells him, you're doing 86. You know what the law does? It condemns us. It points out the errors. It does not fix it. And it does not, and here's the important part, it does not erase what was already done. The law tells us, you did wrong. We look against those Ten Commandments, and we can't see, oh, I did good, I did good, I did good, I did good. Oops, I did bad, I need to fix this one, and now I'm good. No, it just says, you did wrong. It is established. It shows us where we went wrong. And you might remember from Galatians 3 in our study in Galatians, it says that the law is a schoolmaster. Not a tutor that teaches you better, a schoolmaster that leads the young boy to school and every day wake up, get out of bed, eat your vegetables, come on, hurry up, study, get in class, you did a bad grade, bonk in the head. That's the schoolmaster. This is not a lovely thing. The law acts as that which tells us you are a sinner. And you know what it does? Points us to Jesus. But there's only one way to be right with God. And that's by trusting in Jesus. One more. One more. How is the law established? How is the law established? The law is strengthened by the penalty that was paid. The law has a purpose in bringing us to Christ. And thirdly, the law becomes possible by faith in Christ. The law becomes possible by faith in Christ. Now, I will tell you this. This is not found in Romans 3. It will be found in Romans 8. So go ahead and have a glimpse over there with me. Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. And I think that this can be a moment of hope for you and I, brothers and sisters, that have trusted Christ. Know that God has not done away with the law. He didn't throw it away. He's established it. And He's called us to live it out. But not just has He called us, He's equipped us. And I want you to see this in Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. For what the law could not do. You know what the law could not do? It could not make you right with God. The law never makes you righteous. It only shows you how you're sinful. So verse 3. What the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Here's what God did. God said, I know that man will never live up to this. So I'm going to send my Son to live up to this. Can I tell you the words being in Christ? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Being in Christ is so big a deal. I'm in Christ. He overcame sin, so I can overcome sin. Now here we are, verse number 4. So I'm going to read 3 and bring the thought of 3 into 4. Here we go, verse 3. What the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, 
who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So why did God send His Son? Last week we saw He sent His Son so that He could take our sin, so that He could declare His own righteousness. And here's another one. So that He can help us to live right. That's what verse 4 says. That. You saw it, that word? Just like last week. That. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. We're going to be living this out. And don't think, pre-salvation, I couldn't live it out, so I needed Jesus, so I trusted Jesus. Don't think that post-salvation is going to be any different. Post-salvation, if I want to live right, you know how I do that? By believing in Jesus. And you can see that at the end of verse 4. Look at it closely, the end of verse 4. For those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Maybe you remember this from Galatians 5, verse 15. This I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So just like before your salvation, you could not do right in the arm of your own flesh, you needed to trust Jesus. Just the same way, after salvation, it does not automatically change, and now all of a sudden you have the strength to overcome the flesh. No, you need to continue. Walk after the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we see this morning, we have no place for boasting. I can't boast in my salvation. I cannot boast in my daily walk afterwards. For it's Jesus. It's God who declared me righteous in Jesus. So where's boasting? It's excluded. It's gone. Father, thank you for your word, the truths that we find therein. Lord, I pray that you would help us to walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. I pray that you would help us to put away bragging, boasting. Oh yes, the obvious ones of, oh, how great my life is. But the subtle ones also, oh, how good I am. Lord, even if we only brag to ourselves, Lord, I pray that you would help us to put that away. For where is boasting? It's excluded by the law of faith. I pray that you would help us also to conclude salvation comes by faith alone. For it's you who does the work in our lives. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your goodness upon us. We certainly don't deserve your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Matt Allen of Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We would love to have you join us for service if you are in the area. If you need help with transportation, Please give us a call on 709-1000. Again, it's 709-1000.